It is a joy to be here. There are many days that are precious in our minds. Uh, July 4th, December 25th. Somebody might remember the December 7th. But a great day I remember is September the 18th, 1968. Remember that great day? Remember what happened on that day? That's the day that Pam and I were baptized into Christ. We became a Christian. And I remember waking up the next day saying, I'm a Christian. I am a Christian. I had found the truth. I knew that it was the truth. I started reading the Bible. And it was dynamic. I wanted to go out and tell everybody. I ran out and told all my friends. And I'd say, you need to be baptized into Christ. And they'd say, what about the thief on the cross? And I said, there's a thief on the cross. So I had to go home and find out about the thief on the cross. And I said, well, we worship on the Lord's Day, Sunday. And they said, what about the Sabbath day? I said, Sabbath day, Sabbath day, what's that? So I have to go home and learn about the Sabbath day. But I was excited about telling people about my Lord, Jesus Christ, because I was a Christian. I was excited about sharing what I had learned. I was excited about this newfound faith that was just driving me and keeping me awake at night and thrilling my soul every time I gathered together in worship. And then I went to see my dad and I said, Dad, guess what? We've been idolaters. And uh, I want to I help you change. And he said, well, son, maybe you've been an idolater, but not me. And so that was my first conflict that I had. Well, many conflicts have come down the road. And as we look at political correctness today, right, that uh, I received from the city of Melpitas, a letter when they asked me to pray to open the council meeting that I was not to express or refer to any specific deity in the closing of my prayer. And in parentheses, it said, like in the name of Jesus, parentheses. I refuse to be part of that. I refuse to let any man upon this earth, I don't care what high office they hold, to tell me that I cannot preach. In the name of Jesus Christ. I didn't know what an evangelist was when I was first baptized and out telling people. I didn't know what a minister was. I didn't know what a preacher was. But I know that the basic word to preach or to evangelize is the idea of just telling people about Jesus Christ. At another time, I might tell you about my wife. If you'd like to know about her, she's a wonderful person. I'd like to tell you about my children. I'd like to tell you about my daughter, Jackie. I'd like to tell you about the things that just thrill my heart as I watch them grow as individuals. But that's not my lesson today. My lesson today is to preach about Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin told the apostles, we told you not to preach anymore at all in the name of Jesus. It's very emphatic in the Greek. But they said, no, we must obey God rather than men. When I was in Israel a few years ago, I stood on Mount Carmel. And it made such an impression upon me to stand there where Elijah had called fire down out of heaven that when I tried to tell my wife about that, that later in that evening, about three in the, in the afternoon or three the next day, I just couldn't, I couldn't speak. I was so emotionally overcome and I didn't realize it that I could not tell her about that event. Had I been there, had I been Elijah, and had I called fire down out of heaven, imagine that. Don't you think 
that nothing in the world would stop you if you called fire down out of heaven? In fact, he was so emboldened, he said, round up the prophets of Baal and the Ashtoreth. We'll take them down and we'll heal them in pieces. We'll just kill them all. And then a queen says, I'm going to make you like that tomorrow. And he ran away. He was scared. And in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 13b, it says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He's hiding in a cave. He says, well, he said to him, so Elijah says to the Lord, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, tore down thine idols, and uh, they have killed thy prophets with the sword. And they, they, and I alone am left, and, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, oh, Elijah, it's okay. Just go ahead and hide out here for a while till you get up enough nerve, right? No, he said, go, return. On your way. Go back and do the job that you need to do. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. We need to tell people we're silent. We don't have to not or, or preach false doctrine to influence people the wrong way. We just need to keep quiet, right? We just need to not say anything. And so preaching, telling people about Christ, and I'm just talking about a very simple lesson. I'm going to be a preacher of Christ. I'm going to be a preacher for Christ no matter what anybody else does. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ no matter who else preaches or if anybody else preaches until my dying breath. If I'm in prison, I will preach. If, I, if they take away what I have, I will still preach. No matter what happens, I'm going to preach Jesus Christ. Now, this is going to be a lesson of I, and as we learn in preacher school, you're not supposed to preach like that, but I'm going to preach like that. Paul did, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to tell you my conviction and see if it doesn't relate to some of the things you want to relate to. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, when the disciples were scattered, they went out preaching the gospel everywhere. I'm not talking about the pulpit preacher. I'm not talking about uh, being an evangelist in, a, in the official sense of being an evangelist by, uh, in, in that sense. I'm talking about just telling people how wonderful Jesus Christ really is. Letting them know the wondrous story. The first thing that I have to think about is how big is my world? The first thing that I'm going to think about as I go out to preach the gospel you know, you need to have an audience. One time I started a church in Wenatchee, Washington. That night, there was just my son and myself in the building. Everybody else was sick or gone somewhere or whatever. And I was preaching. And I was preaching to my one son who was 14 years old. And he got up to go to the restroom. Now, I'll tell you what. If you have an audience of one and you're preaching your heart out and they get up and go, it's an awful lonely feeling. So, so I want you to understand that my focus, what am I doing? Well, first of all, my world consists of my wife and I want her to go to heaven. I want to tell her about our wonderful Lord, Jesus Christ. We have problems in our lives. Do you all have problems? Uh, Dave, uh, last uh, invitation that he gave said that he had a flood and 
Then he had uh, lost his job, and all these things came upon him. Well, I want my wife to go to heaven as he wants Jan to go to heaven. Jen. (laughs) She's a precious soul. I want her to go to heaven. That's how big my world is, and that's where my world starts. Well, what about my children? I have four children. I want every one of them to go to heaven. I want them to see a godly man. I want them to see a leader. I want them to see a man who will not give in to temptations, who will not forsake his Lord for riches or for poor or for anything else. That they will see a man that stands before them, not somebody that's trying to be macho, not somebody that is trying to be tough, not somebody that is trying to endure, but someone who loves God so much that he will not waver. I'm not saying this to get sympathy, but my mother, my biological mother, left me on the side of the road at 18 months old. My father came home and started another family before he came and found me and took me into that family. I often heard him say that he said that I don't even know if Jerry is my son. My children aren't going to have to go through that. I refuse to put them in a position where they have to go through that. I am going to follow my Lord Jesus Christ. I am going to live and preach and teach what Jesus Christ wants me to do. Well, the next thing that I want to think about is my in-laws and my outlaws. All right? Uh, I am so thankful for David and Jeannie Tomlin, who raised a son because my daughter became infatuated with him and married him. And I want him to lead her to heaven. I want him to be the kind of husband that she can look up to, that she can respect. Because, not because he's out making millions of dollars, not because he's out being the hero and the, and the tough man, but because he is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful that Pam and I raised her to be the kind of wife and the kind of woman that she can help Ryan get to heaven. You see, that's my world. That's the world that I'm interested in. And that's how big my world is. And it gets bigger. Because then I want to work with my co-workers. The elders here. I just happen to work here. And the elders and the deacons and the members of the church here and the preachers and everybody here are my co-workers. And there's not a person in this audience, well, maybe, no, there's not a person in this audience that I would want to see lose their soul. I just came from a situation where I had a gentleman that it was kind of like he had been a preacher and it seemed like we were in competition all the time. He did give me a compliment one time when I finished preaching. He said, Jerry, that was a good sermon. And then a smile came across his face, and he said, almost. But I just took it. I kept taking it, and I'd go home and tell Pam, I wonder why he does that. And he always had a difference. And his wife said, you have a difference without distinction. In other words, there wasn't that much difference. But you know what happened? He is now preaching the gospel. 
because I would not put a stumbling block before him. I would not, I would not enter into with him in some kind of a feud. Well, what about your neighbors? What about the people that live next to you? I moved into a mobile home park in California. When Ryan and Jackie came out, there's about 12 cop cars out there with a SWAT team. They had the SWAT truck there. They had machine guns. They had the machine guns, sniper rifles. And they had shotguns. Right, Ryan? Ryan said, I don't know whether I want to get mixed up with these people or not. The neighbor, let's see, as I went out this side, that neighbor cursed me, called me all kinds of dirty names because he had a dog that would always come over and scare us to death and so on. Well, guess what? By the time we left, I had baptized one of my neighbors. The one on the other side broke his leg. I helped him go around. He was rude to me. And I almost said, look, I'm carrying you all over the place, giving up my time. Why are you being rude to me? Well, then I said, well, you know, his foot is hurting. Well, we had Bible classes with him. Still in contact. I haven't baptized him yet. But my neighbors are my friends. The people across the street, two grumpy old men. Grumpiest old men you ever saw in your life. They were just, they could have been the poster child children for the grumpy old men. But you know what? Pam made them dinner. We took things over to them, invited them. And when I left, the trailer park manager said that he put me down there to straighten out that end of town. I doubt that he did, but... It was a whole different atmosphere. We loved our neighbors. We treated them right. Well, we can go on to our clubs and our fitness and our banks and our Toastmaster clubs and so on. I went to a Toastmaster club, baptized one of the gentlemen there. That was 20 years ago. He's preaching the gospel today. So how big is your world? Think about how big your world is. And all you have to do is go out and tell people about Christ. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to stand by a pulpit. In fact, what we do here for one hour is really not that dynamic. Is it, Mitch? I mean, I appreciate what people say, and I appreciate preaching a lesson and telling people and, and going into the depth, but it's what we do out in the community when we get somebody that they're suffering and we say, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. And if we... If we look at ourselves like, uh, I need to be a professional or I need to do that, just tell people that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Well, how do you preach then? The next thing is, Jerry, how do you preach? I, uh, my world, I want my wife to go to heaven. I want my children to go to heaven. I want my in-laws and my outlaws to go to heaven. I want my neighbors to go to heaven. Okay, now how do you do it? Well, it's kind of simple. First of all, you put the word of God in your heart. I'm not going to be a spokesman for knitting and quilting. You're not going to see my picture in quilting weekly. I just don't care that much for quilting and knitting or whatever you call that, okay? Sewing. I do like airplanes. I like the Civil War. I like to share that with you. But I like to tell you about Jesus. In Deuteronomy 11 and verse 18, you shall therefore impress these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul. God says, here's what I want you to do, Israel. I want you to press these in there. I want you to 
make an impression on your heart and soul. And you shall bind them as signs on your hands and and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and they shall you shall teach them to your sons. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk down the road and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gate and and so that your days of your life and the days of your son's life may be multiplied in the land which the Lord has sworn to your fathers as long as the heaven is above the earth. I think a lot of people can see some alarming signs of this country. That it's not the America that I grew up in. And I'm afraid for it. And so I need to press these ideas upon my mind. I need to tell other people about them. I need to tell people how dangerous it is to forsake the teaching of God. We know that another generation arose that did not know Jehovah. And Israel fell. And so it's very important. When Jesus said, put there, when God said, put these words of mine in your heart and your soul, it means that make them your conviction. Make them your conviction. When I fly the American flag, I know how to fly it. I know that if I leave it up overnight, I am to light it from beneath. You don't just leave it up. Otherwise, take it down and fold it up in the right way. I go by houses and I see flags that have been out there and they're soiled and they're torn and so on, just stuck out in the middle of a field and and uh, not being cared for. And it bothers me because I'm an American and I know how to fly the flag. And I respect the flag. Well, we need to live in such a way that people can know that we respect our God. That it's not just something we say. It's not something that we put on on Sunday mornings. It's something that we that we really believe in. It's a It's a fiber of our existence. And then I need to bind them on my hands. I would understand that to be the fact that the things that I do with my hands, my energy, my my product is for the Lord. I put them on my forehead. What I think about is for God. And then I'm to teach them in my house and write them on my gates and so on. That's like putting up an American flag, right? That's like putting up a flag in your front yard. I want people to know that my house Jesus Christ rules. I want people in my community and I walk around my community. It's an amazing thing to walk around your community and find people in your community that want to know. And they say something like, there's a long time ago when we were new Christians, we dressed up every day and left our house over in Seattle, Washington. And this one lady came running over one day and said, please pray for me, please help me. I know you're Christians because... I see you getting up every morning, every Sunday morning and going to services and you're all dressed up. I know that you're Christian. Well, that's not a broad understanding of what a Christian is. But of course, we were showing our light to her. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, And there arose another generation, who all those were gathered to their father, and arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor their works, which he had done. And so, friends, we need to teach our neighbors Jesus Christ. We need to tell them about that great and precious sacrifice that we sang about and we were involved in in the Lord's table. We need to tell people about that. 
And then, how do we do it? How do you preach out here? How do you go out and just preach? You just do it as it says in Matthew 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand that it may give light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, therefore, before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Many years ago, I don't know if this statistic is, is still valid. I haven't found it recently, but about 20 years ago, it said the average American spends nine years of their life in front of the television set. Nine years of our life in front of the television set. Murder, rape, ungodliness. And aren't the commercials even so disgusting today? Uh, commercials, the shows, everything is flavored with ungodliness. And yet, if we went to services an hour every day from the time we were born until we were 65, we would have spent just a little over two years studying the Bible. That's why it's so important to put these words in our mind and in our hearts because we have such a contrast. But just go out and live in such a way that people see you. Tell people about Christ. Not thumping them with the Bible. Not, not being belligerent. I was in a Toastmaster club not too long ago. And they have a thing called table topics. Anybody been to Toastmasters? You know what table topics are? Table topics are subjects that they just... They, when you stand up, they say, Okay, talk uh, for 20 minutes about crocheting. Okay? Or not 20 minutes, 2 minutes. It's a two-minute table topic. And so sometimes they, they have all different types. One was, is reverse of roles. So this one guy was an accountant. And I thought, man, there's no way I'd ever want to be an accountant. And he guess what? He got to be the preacher. So he stood up and said, boy, I don't know how I could be a preacher and just tell everybody how miserable they are and how rotten they are and they're all going to hell. And he says, and make everybody feel bad. He says, I just couldn't do that. And I thought to myself, Wow, is that the impression that we give people? No wonder the devil's done a good job, right? Because if that's what he demonstrates to people what preaching really is, that they've lost the whole concept. And then we do it before men. The way we live in our community, the way we live in our neighborhood, the way we live at the club meetings that we go to, the, the uh, meetings that we have for our associations and so on. We live in such a way that people can see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We preach by our walk or our conduct. Guess what? You will never find me. I don't know where the bars are around here, but you'll never find me in a bar. You know, I don't think that anybody in here has a fifth a, a flask of whiskey in their pockets, do you? Huh? If you do, we need to talk. But nobody here has a Playboy magazine rolled up in their back pocket, right? I like running with this crowd. This is where I walk. 
This is where I like to spend my days. You know, I, I enjoy coming here, and I don't want to leave. <laughs> but sometimes they close the building up, and there's nobody here. Kind of like preaching to my son when he got up and left. So, so you got to go home after a while. But this is the place I want to walk. I'm not going to walk. So in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of your opportunity. If they see you, and they see the fact that you're an unpleasant, unhappy, despondent person that just all the life has been sucked out of you, maybe they'll blame it on the preacher. Maybe they'll blame it on the church, and maybe they'll blame it on God. And we don't want that to happen. But if we're out there and we're vibrant, if we're excited about living life, if we're excited about the fact that we're Christians, doesn't that just, I'm a Christian. Jerry McDonald, I'm a Christian. I am a Christian. Does that excite you? Does that just, do you want to tell people? I just want to tell everybody. I want to stand down on the street corner. I want to start out here and put up a sign, stop, and I'll pray with you. Stop if you want to learn about Jesus. They might think I'm a freak. But I really want to do that. And I, I just, it's hard not to tell people about Jesus the Christ. Let our speech be of such a way that they see what kind of people that we are. That we are happy, beautiful, concerned people about their soul. Colossians 4 and verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. Do we do that? We are a letter of Jesus Christ. First, Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, You are a letter written in the heart, known and read by men being manifest that you are a letter of Christ, created for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. See, that's why people look at Christianity and say, wow, I'm not sure that I want to be a part of it because they see so many hypocrites out there. They see so many people out there that are really not going to uh, uh, be the kind of people that and say, I'm a letter of Christ. So, does my life, does the life of Jerry MacDonald really display the story of Jesus Christ? Can people say, I know you're a Christian? My wife and another friend of ours who were members of the church over in Wenatchee, Washington, started a janitorial service. And I knew a man in Seattle that would train them. He owned a great big business that would train people and franchise different cleaning opportunities for them. So I sent them over there and they were assigned to two people to show them the efficient way on taking care of offices and so on. And they asked my wife and this other lady, well, how do you know this Lyle Gradden? They said, well, he's a member of the same church we are. And the woman turned to her husband and said, I told you he was a Christian. I, I, I knew he was a Christian. And see, that's what we're talking about. Living in such a way. Does my life display the story of Jesus Christ? Does my life share the love of Christ? Am I really a loving person? Or can I walk by and see a wounded Samaritan and cross over on the other side? 
because I don't want to get my hands dirty. Is the point of my life to display that I have been saved by Jesus Christ? Does my life show that? And then is my life in harmony with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How big is your world? That's number one. How big is your world? It's my wife. It's my children. It's my neighbors. It's my associates. And I'm going to tell them, I'm going to be a preacher of one, whether I'm in a pulpit or whether I'm walking down the street. I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's what preaching is. We can do it professionally or we can just do it because we love our Lord Jesus Christ. And then how do you do it? You just let your light shine. Jesus said, I was in prison and you came to me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was hungry. And you fed me. Just the everyday common kindness that Jesus Christ showed as he came there. All right. That's the first part of my lesson. <laughs> no, it's almost over. But the second part we'll deal in another lesson, but it has to be stated. And that is how big, how big is your love? See, you won't talk to your wife or your children or your neighbors if you don't have the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, God said, in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When Jesus was on the cross, he looked down in the eyes of the people who had driven the nails through his hands and feet. He looked in the eyes of the people who drove their na the nails through his hands and feet. Now, there have been times, I told you about this one preacher that I had trouble with. He just couldn't, he wanted, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he could not ever say something encouraging to me. And when I looked at him, I tried to muster up the love of Jesus that he had when he looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus wasn't trying to be a macho individual. Jesus wasn't just uh, doing the things that is demanded upon every man and woman to do, and that is just be a person of courage and integrity. Jesus wasn't doing that as a role model and saying, well, okay, I'll do this and then everybody will know how to do it. When he looked in the eyes of those people, those Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests that had condemned him and put him to death, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because he really, truly loved them. So how big is your love? 